Thanks for being with us back on Textination with another interview. I'm Fred Fishkin, and joining us is Gary Shapiro, President and CEO at the Consumer Technology Association. Good to see you, Gary. Thanks for being with us. It's great to see you, Fred, because I know that talking to you now, I know we can go forward with CES because an official interview with you means it's it's real. Terrific, Gary. Well, the world's biggest annual consumer electronics show, CES, gets underway once again on Monday the 11th. But the pandemic has forced the event that typically draws upwards of 100,000 people, and that's a modest estimate to Las Vegas, to go all digital. It's, uh, it's great to be here to talk about um, how everything has changed since uh, just a year ago. Well, the task of trying to create a digital version of the Consumer Electronics Show in a meaningful way sounds like it would border on the impossible. But here you are poised to get underway. Well, you know, I've been, I've been uh, long advocating about innovation. And uh, I, in my last book, I talked about Charles Darwin who said, it's not the strongest who survive or the fastest is those who can adapt the quickest. And that was a message I early on gave to our team that we have to change quickly. Um, and, and we saw this, believe it or not, at the uh, early February, it was something we talked about at one of our top volunteer meetings um, that we had to prepare. And by March, we had decided affirmatively to take a two-track approach. We had to assume that the CES could not go forward physically. And then by July, we made the definitive decision. And that decision um, we based not on um, financial, but rather on let's just do what's the right thing to do. And we felt it was better to be part of the solution, not the problem. And also to make sure that our constituencies, uh, the people who attended the show, um, exhibitors, the attendees, the media, they could plan ahead of time and understand. We, we were starting to get real concerns from companies that were committed to exhibiting, but they said their employees are concerned about traveling. So we tried to be censored all that and frankly became a very easy decision and history has proven it became the right decision. It's better for us to be part of the solution than to be part of the problem. And that's how we uh, made it. And then we, since we've been looking since uh, March at various uh, off the shelf alternatives uh, and trying to redirect and refocus our staff on, on what was important, we were able to, to make a decision that we did not like the off the shelf alternatives. They did not meet our needs. They were good for smaller events perhaps. And for the urgent ones that had to do something quickly, um, but we had the, since we were seven months ahead of, the, of the, the curve by making our decision early, although we disappointed some people, especially in Las Vegas, um, we were able to pivot and we found that Microsoft, which has produced its own events, was a partner and a customer of ours for years. Bill Gates used to keynote every CES, um, that they would be a good partner for us because they had cloud computing, they had Microsoft Teams, they had cybersecurity expertise, and they have a phenomenal production studio as well and great knowledge and vast teams of resources which could supplement our, frankly, uh, lack of skill in the area, to put it mildly, because uh, we're good at producing physical events and, and content and substance and organizing, but producing something that's purely digital is um, a different skill set entirely. So right now we're in a great place. The response has been overwhelming, frankly. First of all, I think if you don't talk about co uh, politics, COVID has been a great unifier of humans in terms of um, that we're all in this together and that, you know, we'll give you a little flexibility. <laughs> we'll assume you have good intentions. You know, if you stay away from politics and frankly masking, uh, then I think most humans are, are pretty good, especially in our industry where they know we've tried to see, yes, we're owned by the industry, we're a nonprofit and we've tried to do our best. We know some things will work and some things won't. 
but it was a unique opportunity for us because the opportunity was hopefully once in a lifetime. We don't have a physical event to worry about. And what we could do is it allowed us to do things, it allowed us to change time and space. We changed the dates of the show. We made it a, a week later uh, to give us some more time and flexibility away from the new, the new year. We extended the show. So instead of just being for a few days, it actually extends 30 days beyond with our live site and exhibitors that want to will be able to still communicate. We also were able to create the best ever connection, which is what the show is about, is connecting people. Um, we did something we've always wanted to do and never been able to pull off, and that is to connect people. So once you registered for the show and qualified, um, then you could put out your interests if you chose to, and other people could then contact you. And I checked this weekend, we have over 50,000 people who have registered and put their name out, and they're already connecting, they're already planning um, meetings with exhibitors and media and others, and that's something which is very, very positive that um, was kind of a dream of ours. So there's a lot of good things. We also, a lot of speakers like the CEO of Walmart and CEOs of major companies, uh, major politicians around the world are, have agreed to speak because let's be honest, it's easier to, to speak from your home or your office rather than get on a flight to Las Vegas um, and take all that big time commitment. So in a way that this is, you know, I, I was raised to always see the, the glass is half full. It's definitely, um, this isn't a unique opportunity. In 2022, we hope to go back to a hybrid event, physical in Las Vegas. We've already sold much of the show out. Um, exhibitors are excited about going. Everybody wants that human contact. I am the representative for the tech industry as a cheerleader for it, but I realize as does every other CEO that we need this human contact more than anything else because we're losing a lot by not having it by not having serendipity as easily as possible, by talking to people, communicating, creating, innovating. We need a lot, we need that. And we know we all miss it. So our humanness has come out in this as well. It's interesting though, that you're saying that it'll be a hybrid event a, a year from now, uh, meaning that there is some permanent change to what we're all going through here. Absolutely. Now we, we've been shifting digitally slowly you know, we put our keynotes up on our website. We do things very slowly. This, like every other business, uh, we've this has forced us to accelerate, forced us to look at everything we're doing, forced us to determine what is the very essence of an event like CES? What is it about it? Is it the doing the business? Is it the education? Is it discovering new lines of business? Is it maintaining relationships? And we went through each one of those and figured out how we could do it digitally, which is why we went through all the off-the-shelf software programs and decided they didn't work for us and we had to create something afresh. We had the time to do it and the skilled partner in Microsoft. So what we decided to do is just do a few things really well and throw out a lot of great ideas like, hey, can you do AR and VR and 3D and all that and stuff we talk about as an industry, but for the show purposes and when you're in front of this two-dimensional screen, and, and we changed things. We've cut down the length of the program and the amount of programming. We've, we've hired professional anchors that are technology uh, friendly that will basically host our, uh, our website um, and, and the platform that we're offering so people could see, they could get the highlights. And we're, and we'll do, we're also working on a 24 hour basis in a sense that we're reaching the entire world all of a sudden. That's required other new skills like cultural sensitivities about some of the products we offer, how we show things, what we talk about. It's, um, you know, if you come to Las Vegas and live and just see CES, you know, if the exhibits fall within categories and they they follow our rules, they're pretty good. Well, we've had to look at what people are offering as the best we can and figure out, make sure it, it, it fits, tighten up our guidelines. We've done a whole bunch of things differently. And uh, we created a new platform essentially, which has not been done in the exhibition world. 
Um, and, and it's not based around an avatar going and recreating the physical exhibit space. That physical exhibit space and floor and locations, the booths will not matter for this one show. And it also allows you, uh, someone like you as a show veteran who would plan where you're going and run from one place and maybe lose 10 pounds that week. Now, you, you know, you, you'll be able to do a lot more. You'll be able to do it in some cases at your own leisure. The big press events will still only be open to the, the press, uh, but you'll be able to if you miss something, even 20 days later, you could you could become that expert in that subject if you're doing a story in an area. And that's something we're offering all our attendees. And that's, uh, that, but we're still keeping it not open to consumers. You must have some connection with the industry and we're qualifying everyone that comes, which is why we're, you know, vastly increasing the cost, especially the last couple of days before the show, because we can't simply process everyone. So we're using the price as a filter and encouraging people to register as soon as they can and explore the website. Well, as best you can, describe for us what the experience is going to be like for the exhibitors, for the media, and, and the attendees. Well, the experience is going to be great. I mean, first of all, the number of exhibitors has way surpassed our planning and expectations. We've planned for a 1,000 exhibitors. That's what we're saying. We have almost 2,000, and we're about to cut it off because we can't handle anymore. We can't do the service job, review the materials, everything. So when you go on, you register and, and show you're qualified and you're accepted, um, then you have access to be able to look at the database of 50,000 people that are there. You could search by name, you could search by keyword. If you put in your interests, you say like, I'm interested in investments or in drones or I'm in whatever you put, and there's you know, some, almost 30 categories, um, you will get directed to individual things on the relevant conferences, um, relevant uh, speak speeches, uh, perhaps press events, public events. We have these special uh, spotlights that certain exhibitors are doing where they do a live thing, a live, um, I don't know if it's a performance or a presentation. Uh, a lot of them are using uh, A-list a stars and things like that. We have an amazing group of speakers. We have a conference session. You could search all sorts of different ways and you could put it, add them to your agenda. If you put your name out there as being willing to be contacted, you will be contacted by people who will wanna meet with you most likely. Um, so it's basically, uh, this is a LinkedIn, if you will, for the consumer technology industry that centered around CES. We've also gotten a bigger international audience than we've ever had in terms of a percentage. We're up to about 45% of our pre-registrants are from outside the US. Usually it's in the 30s. So that's grown. And some of the bigger companies have used the opportunity to let a lot of their employees um, visit the CES in a way that they have not been able to do before because you know there's travel and there's cost restrictions but there's all sorts of things so the experience is going to be one where we will have a professional anchor desk with four uh anchors that are based in technology doing interviews we're having i'm doing a whole bunch of, of interviews with people like mark cuban and others and government officials and even a, some royalty from around the world um we have all sorts of different uh well-known people from around the world who will be part of that experience. They'll also be directing. It'll be a 24-hour experience, depending on where you are in the world. Some of it will obviously be repeated um, throughout the day, like keynotes and things like that. So if you, when you wake up, you could see what maybe was shown a few hours ago live. So we're trying so to- A lot of the content will be recorded, but and still available on demand later, right? Yes. So it'll be a lot of it will be recorded, but like the press conference, a lot of them will be question and answer will be- um, live by the, the companies involved. Uh, a lot of the exhibitors will have people staffing their exhibits with able to talk to press and others as they determine uh, with questions and answers. 
So it's a, we try to recreate a lot of what's there that's live, the benefits of it without a lot of the, you know, sometimes the impediments that are there. So this is something where it's an experiment. We're hoping people will give us a break uh, because we know we won't do everything perfect and everything right, but we're, we're trying the best we can to serve the audience that we serve. Because our members, our companies, our customers, our industry wanted us to go forward with this. It's, um, it's definitely generated much more interest than we anticipated. And this is something that we're, we're glad we're partnering with someone who's capable of handling it. Well, it's interesting. Technology and the internet have taken on new roles here in the midst of COVID. Uh, they've enabled millions of people to, to keep working, going to school. Um, then there's the importance of telemedicine, uh, the family gatherings taking place online, things that I guess we talked about for, for years at CES and all of a sudden we're in that future. Oh yeah, so just one year makes a difference. So CES 2020, um, since then the last year, digitalization, the digital transformation, as, as people said, has accelerated at least 10 years. We've seen it in every category mentioned, not only healthcare, but education, transportation even, like the acceptance now of drones. Look, the federal government just made a huge announcement last week about how drones now can uh, be used over people, over private areas. Um, uh, transportation otherwise. The, 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 the shift towards self-driving is now perceived as inevitable. It's healthier in some ways. Um, where people live even, what, what kind of buildings they, they're living in. Um, the buildings, um, they don't have to go to the office as much. There'll be less, uh, you know, cities may not grow as quickly as they have in the past. They may even shrink. Um, everything is changing very quickly and we have to be responsive to that. I'm really proud that the tech industry has stood up and provided the tools that people need for telemedicine, teleeducation, telework. And it's, uh, it's been a huge, I, you know, I think back if this had happened a couple of generations ago before the internet or when the internet was young with not a lot of bandwidth, I, I don't know what would have happened. We'd probably be in a major depression right now with people really in the streets struggling and starving. And, and, and instead here we are in a stock market boom and some people are definitely suffering and businesses are changing and transforming. And you know, if you're own a restaurant or a small business, it's a challenge right now and people are hurting. On the other hand, a lot of people are doing fine. They're working, they're actually spending less money. They're not commuting as much. They're, they're, they've switched how they spend money. And frankly, our industry has benefited from that, to be honest. We've benefited from the fact that people are investing in their homes. They're investing in their technology. You know, our, I, I talk to our CEOs and I, you know, I say how, I always ask how they're doing. And everything selling for the home is doing well. Anything selling to businesses is not doing well. So if you're, you know, if your customers are in business, unless it's in video production, uh, you're probably not uh, doing as well. You know, and that goes for everything from toilet paper to technology. So that's uh, the reality of the world we live in today. Can it change? It will change in the future. Absolutely. But I think some of the changes that we've made as a society to telework, for example, um, are are pretty permanent. You know, at least in the sense of more flexibility that employees will have. People will live in different places. And they'll want different things in their homes. And, and they'll be looking at different types of cars, different type of everything. You know, and, and finally, uh, Gary, even when you talk about the senior population, the problem of isolation and loneliness really compounded during this uh, pandemic. Technology has, has helped there too. Are you expecting to see some more innovations in that space? Absolutely. That, that focus on... I'm glad you've raised that focus on loneliness and seniors and technology. That is the founding principle of our foundation that we created many years ago. 
Um, and it's focused on that the, the, uh, the founder, if you will, the chairman, John Shalama, who founded AudioVox or Vox now, um, is so focused on that. And we, we expanded that to people with disabilities as well. Obviously, this is way before COVID. The foundation has been around for 10 years. And we've been focusing on, on funding programs around the country and supporting those that, that link up people with disabilities and, and older people with technology to reduce that amount of um, loneliness. Because it's something now we have all felt with COVID actually is, is the disconnection, if you will. And technology has been the tool that's brought us together. And there's, there's things that, and there's pilot programs. There's always new technologies. We've brought together the disability community, the elder community. We've also focused on using technology for also the, for some of the disparities because of race and income and how we could make sure technology is available to, to help those in the next uh, health crisis. So we brought together the healthcare community, the hospitals, the insurance companies, the drug companies even, and obviously the device makers um, and others. And we were getting them together as an association uh, and saying, let's focus on the future. Let's see what we can do in a positive way to make a difference in people's lives. And that's, that's the, uh, it's a very exciting mission. Um, it's supplemented obviously through the CES and some of the things that one of the things we're seeing at CES we've never seen before is a number of country pavilions, for example. And last night I was reading the Netherlands press release on their largest ever presence with 80 companies at CES. And the number of healthcare ones I found astounding that focus on some of the issues you're talking about. Um, but also, look, there's other big opportunities out there that are just coincident with COVID at this point. You know, 5G and artificial intelligence and things like that are so big. And, but again, you tie in COVID and all of a sudden the focus on the need for broadband, for example, if you don't have broadband, you're, you're excluded, whether it's your kids or it's elderly people. So the broadband deployment is something that can, Congress has definitely stepped up and is helping fund. Uh, Microsoft, we just announced the president is keynoting. Uh, Microsoft has a very unique situation, their uh, solution rather they're um, putting out globally that's already being deployed over several million people to get broadband through uh, unused uh, over the air broadcast space and technology and it's it's something that's pretty pretty important so deploying broadband deploying 5g reaching the elderly reaching the disabled using technology for healthcare these are all themes throughout ces and these are things that we're going to continue to see change and develop well congratulations gary on on moving early to take this digital because if you hadn't in hindsight this would have been a disaster canceling it in, in december or whatever so you certainly had the foresight and made, made the right decision there. For more info, where should people go? Uh, CES.TECH, CES.TECH. Or if you want to learn about the association, CTA.TECH. So it's uh, either one, just CES or you can Google it or whatever you use. Um, there's a lot out there, but it's worth registering as soon as you can and spend some time on the website to figure out your plan for attacking CES. If you want to learn more about the association, does please visit our website, cta.tech. And thanks and congratulations to you on your new venture. Thank you, Gary. Be well, and thanks for taking the time with us. Thank you, Fred. Now this. It takes a lot of listening to build a better radio, and that's just what the folks at Sea Crane have done. Bob Crane and his crew, nestled among the rivers and tallest trees in the world in Fortuna, California, have made a habit of listening to their customers. And that's just what they've done in building the CC Skywave SSB, the Swiss Army knife of portable radios. For everyday listening to AM or FM in the yard or patio or on the nightstand, without having to drain a mobile phone battery, it's a great companion. But it is also a companion equipped for NOAA weather information and alerts, 
that can be life-saving. You can listen to FEMA and Coast Guard transmissions, too. Beyond all of that, you can tune into shortwave signals from around the world. It's compact, easy to take with you, and built to last. The CC SkyWave SSB. Click on the link at textonation.com.